Hey there, and welcome to the Insert Coin Theater podcast. We are now on episode 21, and it's great to have you. My name is Tim. I am your intrepid host, illustrious host, magical host. I'm your host, and it's great to have you. Thank you for joining us. Joining us? It's just me. I, I, we, I just came off of the Retrofiz podcast, so we we literally just did an hour of talking. So I'm a little I'm a little kind of delirious. I got to get into the rhythm of doing two podcasts in a day uh, and get used to that. So today we're going to talk about two of my favorite things: Adam Sessler and Star Wars. So those are the two topics for today. I know it's not a ton, but we're going to talk about it anyways, and we'll just see where it goes. With that said, you are listening or watching the Insert Coin Theater podcast. Let's start the show. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about doing retrofiz. I'm I'm loving it. It's just been a bit stressful. And not a bad way, not in the, you know, oh my god, it's too much stress, I'm going to give up. It's the the good kind of stress that keeps me on my toes. So it's been it's been challenging so far, and what we're trying to do is find a good rhythm that works out for us. My my hoodie is all disheveled, so I'm going to straighten that up. But that said, I'm I'm very excited to be doing this and creating a video version of this podcast alongside the audio version for Retrofiz. And I've been really honestly enjoying creating content for it. Like the Retrofiz podcast we just did, <clears throat> excuse me, with with uh, with Sean, with Boom Live, was fantastic. It was great. Like we just, honestly, I'm very happy we, we get along so well and we, we work together so well because it, it really adds a, a nice layer of chemistry to our shows and they don't feel stilted. And that's that's always a really good feeling to have a co-host that works well with you and doesn't make you feel dumb or lame or anything like that. And he he's he just he just has a, a great way of talking. He's very charismatic and that that's great to have, especially as a face for the the channel. I'm I guess I'm one of them too, which is a little weird for me, but uh yeah, it's 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 been it's been quite the whirlwind, and I've been really enjoying creating content for for this channel. And I'm I'm looking forward to some pretty crazy ideas that I have in the in the works. Uh, I'm gonna probably be doing some recordings on Wednesday and some editing on Wednesdays. So podcasts are gonna be Mondays uh, with Press Start to Watches sprinkled in there. Which Press Start to Watch is a gameplay only show. For those of you who don't know, it's uh, 30 minutes to upwards of three hours of gameplay at a time, um, and that's that's the show. So we pick a game, the person records themselves playing it for 30 minutes to three hours. They could be in the middle at the beginning, <clears throat> however they want to do it. And then they, uh, they upload it and I bring it down and edit it, add, uh, add an intro, put the video add an outro, um, with a little bit of title screen action, some crossfades. It's very simple to edit. It's the podcasts that are a little more time consuming. And then my next projects, which is fan fiction theater coming up. Uh, which you guys will find out more about that when I do the pilot episode uh, soon. Uh, we'll be 
just knocking out the pilot episode in the near future and getting it on the channel and seeing how the reception is. I'm pretty excited about this one. I it's it's one of my better ideas and I think it's very fun. With that said, let's go ahead and talk about one of my favorite things ever. Adam Sessler. If you've never heard of Adam Sessler, Adam Sessler is a an individual who was on G4 TV and G4 was TV for gamers. Uh, it after a while merged with Tech TV and eventually consumed Tech TV like a hungry monster devouring its prey. But after it devoured Tech TV, it kind of flopped. But during those glory, you know, four or five years or whatever it was, uh, Adam Sessler ran X Play, and before that, he did GameSpot TV and a whole bunch of different stuff. He's he's very prolific, and. He has done a lot of reviews, and he used to do all sorts of reviews. He used to run the show solo until Morgan Webb joined. He ran it solo for a little while, had other hosts, but Morgan Webb joined him, and they were a quite the duo when it came to game reviews. And they, Adam Sessler is and was my voice in gaming. I absolutely loved his takes on things. He's not so much uh, active in the scene as he was. He took a step back because of fanboy attacks and the like, but he eventually joined Revision 3 Games, uh, which is on, which is a, an offshoot of the Discovery Channel, and it was an, a YouTube-only channel, which was a really, really cool concept because it was like the answer to G4 on YouTube, which is kind of what we're trying to do as a live streaming platform. So it was very interesting to see the concept of Revision 3 existing in a, in a YouTube vacuum even though it didn't really succeed the way that you, that Discovery wanted it to. But I feel like we uh, at Retrofizz are going to hopefully succeed where they didn't. And that's kind of the goal, right? With that said, uh, Adam Sessler is a brilliant individual. His insight into games, his knowledge, his history behind games, like his just the, the depth and breadth of his knowledge around gaming is astounding and he's very well spoken very intentional with his words and he doesn't beat around the bush like he did he did an episode he had a, a show called Sessler Soapbox on G4 which was kind of like a mini podcast like a five to ten minute little video where he would talk or rant about something in gaming and uh, one of my favorite episodes of that was he was talking about mobile gaming and how mobile gaming will probably never really be take off and how gaming itself shouldn't be like not everything should be seen as a game or labeled as a game. For example, if you look at something like uh, something like um, uh, these games, like uh, there was a game that was going to come out called rape day, which I'm not a big fan of the title, but that's the title that was going to come out on steam uh, and steam nixed it. But that's not a game by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion, and that that has zero right to exist because it is it is encouraging harming others and normalizing an atrocious act. But that said, like he spoke out against labeling everything as a game. So things on the you know the iOS store, mobile games don't necessarily need to be labeled as games if they aren't. And I kind of feel the same way about visual novels. And that's getting into another topic, which I might actually talk about. I don't know. We'll see if we have time. We can dive into that. But I just wanted to kind of take a little while to gush over Adam Sessler as a human. Um, he's he's a brilliant dude. And if you're curious, I did write this on my blog a while back. 
um, like a week ago, two weeks ago. So feel free to go check that out. That's at insertcoin.theater slash blog. Uh, and there's a category called, called Tim's Ramblings. And I just, I literally, that's, that's where I go and talk about whatever I want to. And it's kind of a feeder for my thoughts on this show. So you'll see a lot of overlap there, but um, you'll also see some, it's more off the cuff. I'm not just reading a script here. I'm just talking about it. But Adam Sessler was, and still is, a brilliant mind. Uh, he works now for a company called Spike Trap, spiketrap.io, which is a game analytics company. And so they, they follow analytics and trends and stuff like that in gaming. And uh, he he posts a lot of that now rather than any any of his views on gaming. He would much rather post analytic data, which is okay. I mean, it's his right to use his Twitter the way he wants. I just miss his voice. I, I miss what he used to have to say. I really wish he would were back in gaming. It's it's a pipe dream. I know that. And it's one of those deals that as a gamer, like he was so formative to me when I was growing up. I would listen to him. I would I would tune into every episode of X Play. Uh, and I loved the wacky skits. I loved every review they did, the way that um, Adam and Morgan would deliver their stuff. And um, I tried to watch every episode of, of uh, Sessler's Soapbox, which eventually became Sessler's Something on uh, Revision 3, um, where he would just deliver these like really thoughtful, hard-hitting points of view on something in the gaming realm that was going on at the time or that just in general needed to be talked about. And I, I'm very, I've been very inspired by him. I mean, obviously I try to be as eloquent as I can and I try to be as researched as I can when it comes to voicing my opinion on things. And I try to be very straightforward. I just, it's, it's one of those deals that even now with how small my voice is in the overall gaming sphere, I catch flack from people for having opinions on stuff. And like, for example, when I, when I gave, when I gave all sorts of information about the, what was it? The riot, the riot games issue. Oh, no, no, no. It was, yeah, it was, um, there was, there was some, something going on with sexism. God, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Like I said, I, I, we recorded the retrofist podcast. That was a, an hour of fun, but an hour of, uh, draining my brain of anything useful, uh, as well. Um, uh, I need to I need to take a, a little bit longer of a break in between so that I can get some coffee or, or um, uh, a, a beverage of some kind and and sort of catch my my you know my my thoughts my brain. But that said, uh, I got flack for standing against the injustice of sexism in gaming culture, and my voice is small. So there you go. Uh, that that's kind of my point. Is he he got a lot of flack because he stands for what he perceives as injustices, which I agree with a hundred percent. But people tend to try to politicize everything um, and make uh, views on on gender, uh, a gender identity, on sexual orientation, etc. About politics when they're not po- political, they are human stances. They are what human beings are, and you're. Existence isn't political. I'm sorry. That's just the way I, I that's the way I tackle it. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, there's no debate around it for me. And I think, I think Adam would feel the same way. There's no, no de- existence isn't political. Um, and he would, he would, he would just get so much hate and the troll train would jump on him. 
And it's totally understandable why he backed away from Twitter, but we need him more than ever now. And from where I stand, from where I sit right now, uh, from my perspective, like we we just absolutely need his point of view right now. And I miss it. I miss his well-thought-out responses to the BS in the industry. I miss his stances on things that people are often afraid to touch, that people have been kind of tackling a lot more, but we still need those strong figures, especially from the the male sphere because there's so much toxic masculinity going around right now that uh, having having strong male figures to, to step forth and say, that's toxic, what you're doing is wrong uh, to other males who listen to the, who follow the alpha beta hierarchy uh, is is more important than ever because women's voices are often drowned out or not listened to, and it's up to it's it's on all of us to say, hey, that's crappy. Listen to everybody because they have a voice, um, and and not necessarily saying you know support ideals that are bad or allow people who are racist or hateful or bigoted to have a standpoint. Uh, but I'm saying marginalized groups should have a stance and a say. And I'm kind of babbling here because I'm getting way off topic. But with that said, I just I feel like we need people like Adam Sessler to be able to step in and really like drive home the fact that it's okay to be different. It's okay to have diversity and it's okay to accept it and be celebratory of it because it doesn't take anything away to offer more options and give more uh, more freedom in games and the like. Because I know recently that there was a complaint about what game was it where you can be you can make a, a character who who's trans um, uh, and non-binary and people were like, oh, it's dumb. I'm not buying that game because of it. And I was just, oh, it's uh, the new vam- uh, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. And they're like, no, no, uh, I'm not gonna buy this game because it does that. And I'm like, you're not forced to play somebody you're not. Like, you can make whatever character you want. It's just giving more options to the people that are excluded. And seeing seeing the the visceral reaction of that just further cements my my resolve to stand up and say, hey, what you're doing sucks. Stop being shitty. And I think that's the important takeaway is that. We we are a pretty are, as a society as a as a culture gaming culture is very dominated by negativity and I know that uh, Night Tide talked about negativity in Tide Talk uh, in his uh, latest episode which uh, I want to say was episode twenty seven uh, and that that actually was the first to air on Retrofiz as well which is awesome but with that said it's really important for us to stand up and call out when things are wrong. And I I know that some people are like, oh, why are you politicizing a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, from my standpoint, this is part of who I am and how I stand. And I don't view this as a political thing. I view this as a more options are a good thing stance. And if you choose to view it as politics, that's on you. I think you need to kind of reevaluate what are politics and what aren't, because if you say that offering more choices for body types or character races or uh, gender identities or sexual orientations are a political or an issue in a game, why why is more options a bad thing? Maybe you should reflect inwardly and see it, because the argument that I often see is, uh, um, hey, 
uh, I don't want a political agenda shoved down my throat. And then my argument is always, as I said before, existence for these people having options that you know are them and cover th- who they are is not political. It is their existence. I mean, if somebody was coming along and saying that you couldn't exist because of who you are, because of your uh, race or gender, you would probably have an issue with that and you would be like, it's not, it's not political. It's a fight for survival. Oh my gosh. I keep getting off topic. (laughs) Um, With that said, uh, let's, let's pivot back to, uh, I digress. I'm sorry, but Adam Sessler is a voice and he, he's talked about some of this stuff in the past, which is why he got attacked so much uh, for it. And he, he honestly is a voice for change, a voice for, calling out the BS and I don't necessarily purport to know all of his, his viewpoints, uh, his stances on certain things, but I can say that he was very formative in, in my growth as not only as a gamer, but as a person, which I greatly appreciate. And I'm, I'm just so it's been an honor to see him grow into the role that he's taking. I just, I miss him. And so, so Adam Sessler, if you are listening, which you're probably not, because uh, my podcast is very, very, very small, uh, just know that uh, you are appreciated. Your voice was not, uh, did not fall on deaf ears, and it, it helped change a lot of minds and hearts and make people think about gaming in a different way. Because honestly, that viewpoint made me think of gaming as a serious form of art and entertainment. And so many different ways and so many facets. And that gaming culture spreads further than just one game's fandom. It spreads further than just, you know, one or two or three games. Like, it, it's it's huge. It's this huge sphere filled with diverse people with all different races and genders uh, and uh, sexual orientations, religions, everything. There's just so many different people in this gaming culture, this crazy sphere that we call gaming as a whole, which is very generalized, but we're all connected in some way or another. And that's, that's not just a gaming thing. That's a human thing. And that's why it's so important to just love each other, treat each other like humans. And he, his voice helped me kind of realize that over time and look at gaming as a macro instead of a micro and and treat gaming as something much bigger than just myself and my circle of friends but something that is has a huge has huge reaching effects and consequences on millions and millions of people every day like these stories are so massive and so just gigantic and honestly it's hard for me to articulate how appreciative of Adam Sessler I am and how, how very formative he was uh, to me and uh, helping to shape, helping me to look inward to realize the outward for gaming as a whole. And I'm, I'm excited to be able to bring my viewpoints to you guys. And I hope you guys like them. I hope you guys aren't like, man, Tim, you suck. You're horrible. I hate your viewpoints. I hope you guys like, like will, will, roll with me in this big, crazy, mixed-up universe. And I don't know. I think I think we can go far if we just uh, open our minds a little bit and, and think about our fellow gamer, <laughs> fellow people. So I think that's really important. 
And with that, I think we're going to go to a commercial break, a sponsored segment from uh, uh, the lovely folks uh, from somebody. Uh, Anchor will insert these great little uh, section segments for me uh, that make me a little bit of money when you listen to them. So please listen to them. Uh, It helps me out. And uh, every listen will eventually add up to some some dollars, some real moolahs. So, yeah, feel feel free to listen to that, and uh, we'll be back here uh, shortly. So see you in a second. And we're back. Thank you for your patience. Thank you very much for, for listening to that. So let's go ahead and ramble about Star Wars for a bit. Let's stretch while we ramble. Ooh, on the video, my, uh, my, my green screen's freaking out because of the shadow. Um, but that, that said, uh, let's talk about star Wars a bit. Star Wars is one of my favorite things in the universe and it, it still is. It has been since I was a little kid. I grew up on star Wars. I'm one of those dudes who's like, I've been a fan forever, except I'm not a gatekeeper. I just get excited when people are enjoying star Wars as it is. So star Wars to me is representative of a lot of things it's representative of hope of excitement of maturing and growing up pubescence childhood it triggers a lot for me in my life and i know that sounds really stupid and cheesy but i don't know i just i'm i'm kind of of the mind that i really uh star wars is a really powerful piece of fiction and uh an artistic endeavor by George Lucas to bring a story to us that we didn't have here in the West. And star Wars is based off of uh, a, a lot of things, but like the core influence was a, I think it was a Japanese film um, that pretty much follows the same exact plot, uh, except it's in space instead of samurai. Um, And uh, some of the fight scenes, like lightsabers and stuff, uh, those are pulled from that film almost directly. Like the lightsaber battles and stuff are almost like like shot for shot recreations in a lot of ways. Same thing with uh, like the battles of the starships and stuff like that were were shot for shot recreations of films from World War II. And it's really cool to see the influences on George Lucas when he was creating the original Star Wars film, which we know now as A New Hope. It was originally just called Star Wars, or it was like the the Star Wars, the saga of the Wills, something or of Luke Starkiller, or something like that, like some crazy long name, and it 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 evolved and changed into something really unique and powerful and really cool. And Star Wars, while I wasn't, I'm not young enough to have been around for the initial release in '77. Uh, my first injection of Star Wars, I mean, I, I had watched Star Wars a few times before it came to theaters again in 1997, but that 1997 special edition theater release was a big friggin' deal to me. Uh, that That's what I went to go see in theaters with my mom, and we watched, we probably went back like three or four times for each film. Like, it was so good. Uh, and I was hooked, and I loved it, and it was... It was this great little, uh, it, little. It was this great effect on me, in sparking my imagination in ways that I never thought possible. So, here we are. Uh, since '97, it's been 22 years since I saw the special edition release. Wow, 
that has a long time. <laughs> um, but it's been, yeah, it's been 22 years since the special edition release in theaters. And that was my injection of Star Wars. And I, I was hooked. I was just absolutely hooked on it. Uh, I, I started to consume the books, the the films over and over again on, on VHS, uh, the toys, everything. And I would, I would make up stories in my imagination and play with the toys. And I was a kid. I mean, I was nine years old in, in 97. Um, 99 rolls around. I'm 11 years old. Episode one comes out and young me loses his mind over it. Oh my God. Episode one was everything that I was hoping it would be. And my, my brain was blown. You had characters like Jar Jar Binks and you had all these exotic locations and you had Darth Maul and, you know, Sidious and just all of these like powerful characters like like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, young Obi-Wan and, and Anakin and just all this stuff was just so cool and so powerful to me as a kid. And as films, as a film, like episode one, and I'm a voice, I'm a voice of very unpopular opinion here. Episode one is the best of the prequel trilogy. That's my opinion. Episode one had a huge impact on me as a kid. Episode two did too, but uh, episode one was just was it. I I literally watched it so many times that the VHS of episode one had trouble rewinding and had visual glitches from where I had like stopped it and rewound like for the pod race and stuff. Like I had rewound to certain points. And it would had visual glitches at the beginning and end of that. So watching it all the way through, you'd see it like have like the visual corruption on the tape. It was crazy, man. I wore that thing out. That and Surf Ninjas, but Surf Ninjas is a story for another time. But that said, episode one was my jam. I used to watch that with my buddy Aaron all the time, and I'm I'm taking I'm taking like a heavy nostalgia trip right now. But uh, I used to go over to his house, and we would watch episode one together all the time. And we would like we would play Star Wars, use our imaginations. I mean, again, we were eleven years old. We were kids. Kids go out and play. They do their thing. It was fun. It was a great time. And we would we would be like, we're we're gonna be Jedi and blah 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 blah. And we would do the research on the internet, which was still pretty young at this time, uh, just like us. Uh, and we would go to the internet and research Jedi and all that stuff and find out the Jedi code and how, how to become Jedi and like our, our, well, I guess it would have been like Ask Jeeves or Alta Vista or something. History probably looked pretty like we were joining the Jedi religion, uh, in modern times. (laughs) Um, but that said, oh man, I, I loved it. And Star Wars, Star Wars episode one had a really big impact on me as a, as a kid and and really just made a big difference in how I kind of viewed a lot of things like um bureaucracy doesn't always work and sometimes works against you uh things like uh sometimes your most unlikely allies goofs like Jar Jar Binks can be some of your most powerful allies and sometimes uh that it's okay to be a little in the middle like Qui-Gon Jinn where yes uh a code is good, but you don't always have to necessarily follow that code because if you follow the code to the T, sometimes bad things happen, things are missed, things happen that you don't wish to happen. So there's a lot of really good, a uh, lot of good things that came out of episode one for me, and I think it's I think it's just a powerful film. I think it has a lot to it that people tend to overlook just because they don't like Jar Jar, they don't like Gungans, they don't like certain aspects of it. But if you go back and watch. Uh, Return of the Jedi, Ewoks were just as bad, if not worse, than Gungans, in my opinion. 
and I, I think I think people just kind of kind of like glaze over it because it's original trilogy, and there's a lot of that fanboyism in the Star Wars fandom in general, where original trilogy is the best, nothing else can touch it. And the new films aren't bad films; they're actually a lot of fun. I really thoroughly enjoy those films. I think they were really masterfully done, and they are great uh, reboots in a way, and reboots that aren't reboots, reboots in the same universe of the original trilogy. And I think that's something that we needed. We needed Star Wars to get a little modernized. And the themes, the central themes, good versus evil, space Nazis are bad, uh, rebellion and uh, rising up against oppressors um, for doing the right thing and finding freedom are really important things to do. And some people found issue with that. The fanboys have been slowly but surely ruining Star Wars for a while. And again, I have a blog post on this. It's uh, the, uh, I think it's like the fans are what ruined Star Wars is the post title, I believe. And that's on insertcoin.theater insert slash blog as well if you want to read that. But this is kind of an addendum to that or uh, an expansion on it. So to give you more background and just kind of my viewpoint on it. And it, it's a very it's very interesting to see when people take offense to something and they're like like there there are legitimate criticisms to be levied at the new films. There are legitimate criticisms to be levied at all the Star Wars films. I mean, the original trilogy was not without flaw. There's a lot of problems with it and I think a lot of those were honestly and uh I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but uh fixed in the special edition. And uh yeah, I think George Lucas did the right thing by making the special edition, so uh don't at me. I uh, I think it's really important to have criticism of film. I don't think that there's, it, these films should exist in a vacuum. I think they should get uh, reflections on the way that the shots look and the themes and things like that and how they're delivered. But a lot of the problems that I see people having with the films are unrelated to the film itself and more about like the central th- tenets of the film. And like one of the arguments that I saw was, Star Wars is never political. What? It's about fighting space Nazis. It's a World War II analog. It's always been a World War II analog. And to say that it's not is is pretty pretty foolhardy IMO. So it's it's a little strange to see that people take offense to it. And it's like, are you taking offense to it because you feel it's overly political? Or do you take offense to it because it's mirroring some of your politics in a bad light? And I think that's really important to take into context and consideration when you uh, when you are investigating something because I, I try to do that. I try to look beyond myself and at something and at a more objective viewpoint of what this thing is and what it's trying to tell me and if that applies to me or not. I don't know. I, I think it's really important to do that and I feel like some people kind of don't have that inward introspection and they're missing missing the point in a lot of these films. So to say that Star Wars has never been political is a complete ignoring of what Star Wars is and is about. Please. Please. Uh <laughs> go easy here uh and and look inside yourself cuz that is the path to the dark side. Anyways, I I don't have much else to say about Star Wars except for the fact that I love it and the fanboys make me sad. Uh, there's a new um, Disney park opening up that's Star Wars themed, which is dope. I'm really excited about that. I hope to get to go to it someday just because my inner Star Wars fanboy will jump for joy and be just totally thrilled about it. 
Um, the new film comes out next year. This year? Is it this year? 2019? It might be this year. I don't know. I'm not sure. I who um, There's just so much good Star Wars coming up, and people who willingly miss out on it or just use it as an excuse to, to bitch and moan are very frustrating to me because it's like there are such good things to like about Star Wars in its current incarnation and its past incarnations to hate on it. It's like, don't hate on something just because it's easy to hate on it. Like episode one, the, the prequel trilogy gets a ton of hate and they get it just because people are like, Oh, George R. And it's like, you do realize that there were, there, the whole film doesn't revolve around Jar Jar. Yes. Episode two had very wooden acting. That's legitimate criticism. Jar Jar was a bit annoying in episode one. That's legitimate criticism. But to say that like Jar Jar is the only reason you don't like the prequel trilogy Maybe maybe something's going on there that you need to look at first. Just saying. And with that said, I know it's been a short episode. I've had a couple of shorty episodes. I'm getting better at my cadence and my rhythm for podcasts and such. But we're going to go ahead and stop here. Thank you for joining me. If you guys have not checked out Retrofizz, please do. Retrofizz.tv uh, or uh, Mixer.com slash Retrofizz right now. Um, I highly recommend you check it out. If you have not taken the time to, please do. You won't regret it, in my opinion. I am actually, I'm absolutely proud of, of what we have accomplished and what we're going to be accomplishing. So please give it your time. Give it some love. We would really, really appreciate that. Um, and I'm going to find my little uh, uh, rollout spiel here for the podcast itself. The ICT Podcast is produced by me, Tim. Insert Coin Theater is more than a podcast. It has been for a long time. It's live streams three days a week. I stream on weekends, Friday nights from 8 p.m. when we record Friendship Friday, uh, and Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. Eastern Time uh, at mixer.com slash theater. And it is also a vibrant and inclusive community at discord.gg slash ICT. If you'd like to support my efforts monetarily and help my content creation become a full-time gig, please consider pledging on the Insert Coin Theater Patreon page at patreon.com slash ICT. A huge shout-out to Andy B., who is our Arcade Master level supporter, and our three other Patreon supporters for helping keep this podcast alive and kicking. If you're unable to support monetarily, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. The positive reviews will help bring new listeners to the podcast and will help the show grow in a meaningful way. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or wish to connect with me, visit me on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim and on Mixer, Twitch, Facebook, or Instagram at insertcointheater. My DMs on Discord are always open, so you can reach me there by DMing insertcointheater, hashtag 6969. The ICT Podcast intro is created by the supremely talented Ben Burns, also known as Abstraction. You can check him out at abstractionmusic.com. Thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you for watching, and I'll talk to you next time.